Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast, and thank you, as always, for joining me here for another episode on Let It Grow Investing. Uh, Today, we're going to do a little bit of a a recap as to what happened in the market this week, Uh, some different experiences that I've had, uh, you know, kind of what happens when life gets busy, and uh, how you can kind of tailor that to your investing. Uh, So, Uh, First up, I I wanted to say if you have not yet subscribed to the uh, podcast, please go ahead and do so. Also, if you are not following us over there on Let It Grow Investing on Facebook, please go ahead and join that group uh, to be a part of the Let It Grow Investing Challenge for 2023 and also some of the up to uh, the minute news that we can post on there. That's a little bit harder to do on the podcast. That way you you can make a little bit more informed of an investing decision the day of instead of waiting a couple days. But uh, yeah, like I said, life is getting busy. Uh, you know, springtime for me means uh, long days and trying to you know figure out a lot of logistical nightmares sometimes. But uh, we are getting through the spring. We are getting into that busy season for me. So uh, you know, after 15 years, I'm I'm pretty used to it at at this point. But uh, you go from nothing in the winter sometimes to just full tilt. So uh, still kind of getting you know my my timing all adjusted for you know, doing the podcast and also trying to run a business and, uh, you know, with kids in sports and coaching sports, and I've got a game here in a few hours. So I'm going to make this one kind of short. Well, that's kind of the thought, but we'll see where we go from here. But um, yeah, so uh, first up, I wanted to say, you know, uh, things that I've been doing, Uh, I guess last night we went out to uh, Top Golf. I have not a golfer. Um, I'm not really one that has ever been on a, on a golf course. I've been to a driving range a couple times and, uh, we had a really great time at top golf. So, um, if you haven't been, it's kind of like a bowling alley in some regard, but, uh, multiple levels of driving range. You got your own little booth similar to what a, um, you know, bowling alley might be, but it's very interactive. You know, you keep score. Uh, they have a lot of sensors that say exactly where the ball went, how high, how far, uh, and you know, you get points for how close you are to, uh, a different T, you know, regardless of which one you're hitting, you, you basically get points for being close to the T. So, uh, you know, the, the food was surprisingly good. The, uh, the service was pretty good and, uh, I had a re- really good time actually going out and trying something different. So, uh, uh, you know, Callaway has been in the news a little bit after John Rom won the masters, what last weekend. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of push for, uh, you know, getting back into Callaway, uh, which uh, the ticker is mod G M O D G. And, uh, I definitely think that this is a, a smart move that Cal- <clears throat> excuse me, that Callaway did for buying top golf. And I don't really know looking at the numbers at first glance, I don't know that everyone's really picked up to the fact that, uh, you know, the, the numbers are really growing, uh, very strong for, uh, Callaway since they picked up top golf. And uh, I think that growth can continue. Uh, a lot more eyes on the sport. A lot of different people uh, playing that you know might not necessarily bring the whole family to a golf course. But uh, this was a nice outing where you kind of you know hang out, and uh, it's interactive. It's it's fun for I think everyone saw all age ranges there, 
and uh, something that I definitely think you know could be a, a big boost for the sport and get more people started at a younger age and get them you know introduced. So uh, I think that Callaway, uh, might, some people might be sleeping on that one. I know I haven't really looked at it. Uh, I'll try to break down some of the numbers here in a, in a little while, but uh, just something that uh, was off the beaten path for me. And sometimes you, those experiences that you have in life, um, you know, I remember back in the day when Amazon started thinking, uh, you know, it'd be great to invest in this. And I was, you know, too young really to have the wherewithal to go ahead and put money into the stock, even though I was probably one of the early adopters of Amazon and shopping online, uh, as well as Facebook. I mean, I've been on, on Facebook since 2005, back when you had to have a, a college email address and that was the only way that you could get on. So, I mean, I'm, I'm early adopters to a lot of these different things. And uh, sometimes it'd be really nice to actually invest into these things that you see early. Uh, so definitely take that into account when you're you're out, you're you know looking for a new thing in the store. And, uh, you know, they, they sell off the shelves. Take a look at the brand. Take a look at where you want to spend your money or your time. And ultimately think, hey, would that be a good investment? Would it even a, a good speculative investment? If it's not something you want to go all in on and have a full position compared to, you know, say some of the top tier stocks in your portfolio. But um, yeah, with that being said, um, yeah, we've got uh, CPI actually came out as well. I know we had PPI on the last report, but now CPI, the consumer, uh, the sorry, producer price index, PPI, CPI consumer price index. Uh, the, the PPI is a little bit more up to date in the sense of, you know, when we see these prices come down at the producer level, we know the next report for CPI uh, at the consumer level is generally going to follow suit. So the uh, the PPI actually came in light and uh, it was a really solid report. They did have some upward revisions for uh, February, which kind of spooked a couple people. But uh, overall, the prices at that producer level have come down significantly. And uh, I definitely think that is going to be a good thing for the market going forward. So I'm on uh, CNN business here, and uh, they are saying that US inflation at the wholesale level continued its downward slide in March. Annual price increases sinking about 2.7% from an upwardly revised 4.9%. Uh, so that was from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics on Thursday. So that is actually the lowest annual level for this inflation gauge since 2021 in January. So uh, month to month, they went down about half a percent and, uh, we're seeing falling good prices in, it says in this report, lower energy prices, prices for fresh and dry vegetables, um, as well as services, services did not fall as much, but, um, it says the price for indexes for categories such as light motor trucks, chicken and eggs and meats moved higher. So we've kind of seen this push. We've, we've heard, uh, from Ford that, uh, you know, they had a lot of, uh, losses in that EV segment. And uh, a lot of people are looking at um, the the truck market as a way for them to raise price and kind of offset some of these losses. Uh, so I'm on a, a couple different car groups as well, being, you know, uh, a member of some of the Ford truck communities. And these are just getting ridiculous. I mean, the, the price that you could have bought these same trucks for, um, you know, two, three years ago, was in the 70s and now a similarly optioned truck is around 91,000. It just does not make sense as to who are all these people that are buying these $91,000 trucks and 
do they really need them? One, I, I don't really know that you work out of a $91,000 truck. So it might be the people that are hauling campers or, you know, boats, this, that, or the other. But uh, at the same time, it's just in insane for me to see the price of these trucks, uh, you know, go up so quickly over time. Uh, we've still got the same thing with chicken, eggs, and meats, though. So uh, I think at that uh, that farming level, these prices are definitely going up. They are certainly seeing more demand uh, and I guess more supply side constraints in some way, form or, or another. Uh, but they're definitely seeing that that higher labor rate uh, affect them as well. So these prices are remaining elevated uh, going forward. Uh, so we're also seeing uh, econ economists are seeing their annual inflation rate as measured by the PPI to land at 3% for the 12 months ended in March and no change from the month before. Uh, so it's looking like it's pretty good news that inflation is kind of coming off of that uh, that rolling boil kind of to a more of a simmer. And we're seeing some of these numbers kind of cool and we can kind of maybe make some sense of what that means for the uh, economy going forward. Uh, I'm looking over at the CME FedWatch tool. And uh, it still looks like in 17 days, uh, we might get another 25 basis point hike. Uh, I've heard a lot of talk that we're going to see one more hike and then hold that rate and pause. But then you have some members of the Fed saying that, no, we could potentially see two or three more rate hikes uh, for a target of about five to five and a quarter points. And uh, ultimately, we will see where that goes. But uh, at the same time, we are in earnings season, which is definitely uh, beneficial to us here. We're, we're getting a little bit of insight as to what's going on for a lot of these different banks. That is a huge one that we've definitely been watching. And uh, let me get over to the uh, the JP Morgan thing here. We, we definitely are seeing some news from JP Morgan, uh, from Citibank. We saw some from United Health. I know they came out and had some earnings. Uh, let me get back over to this one. So, uh, JP Morgan, uh, they had an EPS of $4.10 and beat their expectations of $3.41 on a revenue basis of $38.3 billion, beating expectations of $35.8 billion. So this was definitely something that uh, we were really concerned about was the fact that you know these large banks might start falling off. Uh, they definitely sold off more than I thought they should have. And, you know, I was even saying, you know, these tier one banks, the JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Citigroup should do better uh, than a lot of the other smaller banks off of these these sell offs that I didn't really think were going to really hit them as hard as they had so much money from these smaller banks rolling in to these tier one banks. So after that, we had JP Morgan on Friday move up about seven and a half percent. So that is definitely nice to see. We've got uh, a PE that is still at nine and a half times. We're getting a 3.1% dividend on this stock. Uh, analyst research. We're going to probably be skewed all over the map here from some of the problems that uh, we had uh, with the banking crisis. And uh, we've got about 11% of upside still. So you add that to this 3.1% dividend, you're, you know, you're around 14% of upside uh, from eight different analysts. Um, you do have some downside here uh, from the low side. There's a price target of about 120. So that's about 13 and a half percent down. But you also have some people saying that, hey, this one could get to 179, which is about 29 percent higher. So you average it all out by 11 percent. The uh, the recent targets are all all buys in the past uh, 
in the past month exactly. Uh, so we've got buys from RBC Capital, Barclays, uh, Evercore, Oppenheimer, and Wells Fargo all saying a buy from price targets between 132 and 179. So I'm still bullish on these tier one banks. I definitely think that that could be a good safe spot to hide out. Uh, I still think with the rates going up, as long as we don't go into a depression, and this is kind of a soft landing, if we can navigate that, I still think that these banks are going to do better in the long term. Uh, again, the regional ones right now are are tough. I, I know back, you know, probably six months ago, we were saying, hey, you know, these smaller banks that don't have as much international exposure could probably be a good way to go. Uh, I didn't really take into consideration how poorly they were managing managing their funds. And um, that was kind of a black swan event. I'm not going to say that, uh, you know, I was right on it. But at the same time, uh, I know that I was invested in JP Morgan, invested in Citi. And at the same time, I was buying Bank of America when that one got punished unjustly for a lot of the things that were going on in the smaller banks. So uh, I don't have as much uh, in the way of regional bank or small bank exposure as I do in some of these larger tier one kind of banks. But uh, I know that that was kind of a talk was that they should be doing better. And uh, they, they kind of fell apart on some of this stuff that was really unforeseen. I'm sure someone that's got their, their eyes on this banking thing every day might have seen this one coming. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, I am, you know, only one person. I'm, I'm doing this, that, the other, and it is a busy time. It is hard for me to keep my eyes on absolutely everything. So one thing that we can do in that is, uh, well, actually a couple things. We can dollar cost average into different banks. If you you know, really want to have a position in JP Morgan, you can buy a little bit now, a little bit in two, three months. You can buy it every quarter, every week, whatever works better for you and simply just tuck some money away. If you need to do, you know, 50 bucks at a time, Webull is great for that for fractional shares. I got a link in the description. Uh, but at the same time, you can also simply buy an ETF that would be for banks. Uh, the first one that comes to the top of my mind is the XLF. That is a sector spider fund that is for financials. So you're going to get uh, some different stocks here, about a 2.15% dividend. And uh, when I'm looking at the portfolio of the XLF, uh, you're going to be getting 40% giant banks, 42% uh, large, 16% medium, and then small micro only makes up about half a percent. Uh, so main exposure, 97% North America, 2.38% in Europe. Uh, but we've got Berkshire Hathaway, JP Morgan, Visa, MasterCard, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, the S&P Global, uh, Goldman, and BlackRock. So you've got a lot of large tier one operators here. You're getting some uh, fintech in the way of Visa, MasterCard. Uh, you got a, a good variety of things here. Now, some of them are a little bit riskier than others. Uh, you can see that from some of the different PEs that are out there on some of the fintechs, but also S&P Global sitting at a 33 uh, PE. And uh, I, I do think that this could be a better way for you to get a, a good mixture of these financial type sector stocks while not simply just buying one name and praying that that one works. Uh, so that uh, those top 10 make up about 53% of the holdings in this fund. But uh, yeah, you get a, a lot more exposure without being so overweight in just one name. And that can protect you from having one bank go out uh, or having one problem in Visa. If they get hacked, 
you also have MasterCard and these other, you know, probably 30 banking financial financial institutions in simply this one fund. So if you are looking for some diversity without simply being, uh, you know, so invested into one, definitely take a look at an ETF or an index fund and understand that these can provide some security in the way of diversity and uh, simply dollar cost averaging into a fund or into a name can certainly build up that long-term value of your investment into any one name. Uh, you know, because if we would have bought, you know, JP Morgan, if I go back to that one, if we would have said, hey, you know, I want to put all my money into a, a bank stock last year when the rates started going up, uh, where were we last year? Last, uh, uh, this month might not be the best example. We were about 132 last May. Uh, we did drop down in the one teens in early May, but, uh, you know, we had a lot of ups and downs along the way. When we got to uh, about October of last year, we were sitting at 101. So you might have thought, hey, I lost 20, 20 30% uh, from June to October. But uh, if you would have averaged out over time, you'd probably be sitting somewhere in the middle of those ranges and uh, you'd be now sitting at 138. So you would have some price appreciation and you'd also have some uh, idea that you were just simply going to dollar cost average, build up this dividend income. And ultimately, your your portfolio size by simply buying over time. It takes a lot of those peaks and valleys out of your investing strategy, and simply just you know set it on uh, repeat and go ahead and purchase. So that's definitely something that uh, can help you to not have that panic when you lose about twenty or thirty percent. Simply, you know, if you put ten grand in in uh, June of last year, and you know you would have been down about two grand simply in four months. So that would be hard to see. So now if you uh, also did, uh, you know, say 5,000 in May and then 5,000 in October, you would have taken some of those uh, those high prices out and then your cost basis would be at 115 and you'd still be up, say about, uh, I don't know, 15%, 20% from that average versus uh, simply buying at 132 and then having those uh, those rough patches where you know you don't have the money to invest at the lows because you already spent all your money at the highs. So definitely take a look at that as a way to uh, make things a little bit smoother for you and ultimately give you a little bit better of a uh, track and a, a path to actually invest going forward. I definitely think that will help you uh, kind of ease some of those fears. But uh, then we will look over at uh, Citibank. Well, actually, let's look at BlackRock first because that one was the next on here. We've got... Uh, EPS 793 beating expectations of 773 and uh, revenue of 4.24 billion, which was in line with expectations. Uh, we got United Health EPS of six dollars and twenty six cents, beating expectations of 606, 91.9 billion dollars of revenue, beating expectations of 89.8. So uh, about uh, two billion on uh, revenue beat. Which is fantastic for United Health. How did they uh, perform on Friday? Let's take a look here. We had United Health actually down on this news, so I am still still bullish on United Health. We still have an aging population. We still have a lot of demand for their services. We've got about eighteen percent of upside, and uh, I would still be uh, dollar cost averaging into United Health. That is certainly one that I would like to build my position in more. Uh, the fact that it went down on some some good news, there's probably something else that brought this one down. 
Um, let's see if there's any quick news. Uh, I'm I'm just seeing some earnings off the off the top here. I'm not really seeing anything that is a absolute scare story coming out. So I could definitely see looking into United Health more and uh, really seeing where that one's going. We've got uh, Citibank. They had EPS of $2.19, beating expectations of $1.67, and uh, revenue of $21.45 billion, beating expectations of $20 billion. So they were up about 4.7% on the day on Friday. Uh, that is definitely a nice gain for me. And uh, on Citibank, I did have some, uh, some covered call options written on this one. Uh, they were written, uh, I believe, at an, a strike price of 56 and, uh, you know, we then had that banking crisis. So this one fell off the face of the earth. And uh, these call options did not get exercised. So I still have my shares. We still moved up 5%. And I was able to fund some more into my IRA by the fact that I wrote these covered call options and they did not get exercised. So I have my shares. Uh, it was kind of a, a, a perfect storm for me in that sense. I wrote these options before the, the banking scares really happened. Uh, so I think we were probably sitting at like 51, 52 at the time. And I wrote it for $56 to expire on 415. And um, tax day, happy tax day to everyone out there. And uh, it did not happen. So uh, kind of a perfect storm for me. And uh, I really didn't want to have to sell my city shares. But, uh, you know, it, I, I definitely like having the the income off of these uh, to also get that dividend income and the uh, the covered call income from those. So that is definitely nice. Uh, what else? We've got um, Tesla. We already knew this one. They cut the Model 3 and Model Y prices uh, by as much as 10%. We knew that. Uh, JP Morgan, the CFO, just said the bank saw meaningful new account openings during the banking crisis. Uh, we had said that also. So a lot of uh, catalysts for some more growth as more people are opening uh, accounts in these tier one banks. Uh, we saw that, you know, in the first week of that financial crisis, about 15 billion came into Bank of America, similar for JP Morgan. And uh, they're also saying that they are not seeing uh, themselves particularly tightening their underwriting. So things are uh, kind of all quiet for JP Morgan. They're, they're quietly beating and uh, maybe not quietly at a 7% gain on the day, but they are performing. And uh, again, I still think that these banks uh, aren't really getting the the credit that they deserve for being those tier one companies. Uh, you still got these PEs like on City, 6.6 uh, times PE. JP Morgan was in the nines. Bank of America, we're sitting at, uh, where are we here? 8.9. So you're still getting that 3% dividend. Bank of America is still near that, uh, that yearly low. Uh, they did have uh, a low of 26.30 back on March 24th. We're sitting at $29.50, but uh, last April, they were at $40. So I still think we've got some more upside here. We've still got a good dividend to uh, bolster this uh, this stock here. We've got about 23.5% of upside from 15 analysts on Bank of America. So I still think that there's some value in the banks. They aren't really getting the credit they, they really deserve for having all these new accounts, all this new money coming in and uh, these rates going higher. So there's a, a lot of different things going on with the banks. Uh, again, I think they sold off for a lot of reasons that were uh, not necessarily directly related for their individual companies. They got brought down on some pin action from a lot of the other banks that uh, 
ultimately, you know, went bankrupt and, and had some serious problems. Uh, what else? We've got uh, Charles Schwab. We had uh, one of their top investors selling their entire stake uh, during this banking turmoil, and they are still getting beat down. Uh, Schwab is sitting at uh, $50.77. They were actually down 1.4% on Friday, while all these other banking stocks were moving nicely higher. Uh, they are also at a higher PE. They're at 14.7 versus these other banks in the single digits. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, a low price of 45 uh, back on March 13th and a high price of uh, 86.63 set back on January 9th. So we've almost cut this one in half at the lows, but um, we're a little bit off of them. It's still kind of uh, uncharted waters for, uh, for me. So I don't know that I want to get into Schwab. Uh, the PE is a little bit higher. The dividend's a little bit lower. There's a lot of fear around this one. So I would probably steer clear of this for now. I really would have to take a closer look at Charles Schwab before doing anything there. But um, yeah, that's what I got on the banks. We are uh, seeing some some dividend raises out of Procter & Gamble. I know those went up about 3%. We also saw some upgrades from the Wynn Group uh, saying that uh, some of the lockdowns in China and uh, more demand in Vegas is actually helping this stock. So let's take a look back at the Win Group, W-Y-N-N. And, uh, you know, they're still got a negative EPS. They are still climbing out of a hole. But uh, we are sitting at 110. Uh, we've got about 11% of upside. And we had a uh, Bank of America, not Bank of America, Wells Fargo upside at a uh, price target of 134 so definitely uh, some some upside to win. Um, it's not one that I'm in at this point. I know we were trading it in the 70, 60, 70 dollar range, and that one was kind of rough. I think we were catching it on the way down, and ultimately, I know for myself, I started making a little bit of profit and I got out of it. But um, there is still some some value here. I still think that they're going to pull some more levers and and make some more money. Uh, that's just what Steve Wynn and the Wynn Group is going to do. But um, yeah, that's what I got for this first part of the show. So I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk investing challenge and uh, what stocks are on the radar for this week. So stick around and I will be right back. All right. We are back here on the podcast. And if you need some help getting started, I do have some links in the description to help get you going. We've got uh, Weeble, Crypto.com, Binance, and E-Trade. Uh, and I use all of these fairly regularly. I'm probably not on Binance as much anymore, but um, crypto.com, I check that all the time. Bitcoin, Ethereum have been on a absolute tear and uh, probably one of the best performing asset classes of this year. If you want to call it an asset, I will, but uh, I know not everyone does. So uh, Bitcoin, where are we at? 30,481 as I'm looking at this. Ethereum up to 2113. This one definitely popped uh, within the last week. We were up 13% on the week. We are up how much on the month? 20% on the month. Three months, 35%. Six months, 60%. That is definitely a nice run for Ethereum. I know Bitcoin has probably done better numbers over the past six months, but maybe not over the last week. Over the last week, 8% on Bitcoin. Six months, we've got uh, 56%. So good performance out of both. Uh, I'm still in these. I will continue to be in these. Um, the only thing that I might do is sell off when uh, when we get up to that uh, that level where I think I need to pull some money out, which is not there yet. I've I've got some 
some account values that I'm trying to uh, probably bring back down if they get uh, a little bit too stretched for as far as how much money I have in crypto. But uh, I'm not there yet. So I'm going to let this uh, kind of sit and, and stew a little bit and see where this one goes. But um, yeah, that's my only plan there. But on, uh, you know, uh, not crypto.com. That's what I'm already talking about. On Webull, we are definitely seeing some uh, some run up. Since the start of the year, we've got uh, our portfolio moving up from down about 16% to where are we right now? I'm going to get on the Webull app and see how we're doing. We are down to minus 3.9. So we were up about, uh, what, 12% on the year so far on this portfolio. We'll continue to buy. We'll continue to dollar cost average into the market. Maybe not necessarily into every name, but uh, I will continue to put some stocks from last year that we were buying in 22 into the votes for 2023. So uh, with that said, uh, if you need help get, getting going, I've got those links in the description. You get a little bit of help uh, simply for starting an account. Uh, Webull, I think they've got about 12 free fractional shares that you get for simply putting in a dollar. Uh, so if you're not yet uh, started, go ahead and do that. Um, but then the yeah, same on E-Trade. I think they extended that offer. You can get up to 3,500 back depending on how much money you put in. But um, yeah, so where are we on the investing challenge? Uh, we had my wife, Jessica, pick five names for this past week. Uh, and with those being said, we started with uh, Target, uh, ticker TGT. Nike was in the mix, NKE. We had ABV, uh, ABBV, TJX for TJ Maxx. And the winner is actually going to be Capital One Financial. So COF gets the nod for this week. We will be buying $200 and putting that into our uh, Webull portfolio for week 16. And uh, thank you guys who voted. And if you have not yet voted, please follow the group and vote uh, so we can get some more numbers on this, uh, this vote so we can really get a good sample of what everyone thinks we should be buying at that given time. Uh, so now going forward, from last year, we were buying Bank of America in week 17. So this is going to be an opportunity to now buy uh, Bank of America about a year later. And uh, let's see where we approximately were this time last year. Uh, I know we just looked in May, but uh, let's take a look back in April and see where this one was. So when I'm looking over here on uh, E-Trade, we've got the, the one-year chart here. Uh, we were a good bit higher, um, probably in the mid 30 range. So we will be averaging down on this one by simply buying uh, about a year later. So I'm definitely happy to see that uh, we could potentially be lowering our cost basis on this one, getting a little bit more dividend and uh, adding to our position size of Bank of America for the investing challenge. I do like that. Uh, so that is going to be number one. I kind of talked about this one already. 3.08% uh, dividend, PE of about 8.9, about 23% of upside. And uh, one that I just think has been oversold on a lot of the fear that is out there in the market. So 23% of upside and 3% dividend. Uh, number two, uh, I, I will kind of glance over Bank of America because we've covered it pretty in depth. Number two is going to be Amazon. Uh, and I still think, and uh, looking through E-Trade, I went through the market and ideas tab on there. I was going through some of the different screeners. And one of the stocks that was actually the stock of the week is Amazon. 
Uh, so we have definitely seen this one sell off. We were about 158 last April, and now we are sitting at 102. Uh, I still think there's a lot of demand here. I know they're building out the AWS. I know there's a, a, a lot of fear around retail, but uh, I still think that Amazon is going to be a powerhouse coming out of this. We talked about this last week. Uh, the fact that there's really no competition coming in for Amazon. We've got a lot of uh, these smaller companies that are just not going to market right now. And even if they did, I don't know if they're going to have the uh, the scope, the size, or the power that Amazon has. The fact that they can uh, you know, do these layoffs, still remain profitable, um, keep finding different avenues to go down to buy smaller companies, keep other people from really coming into the market. Um, I know there's competition in a lot of their businesses. I just don't know that anyone's doing it quite the same way that they are. So I'm still bullish on Amazon. I think that there's a good amount of upside left in this one. Uh, I'm still very uh, bullish the, the fact that this is going to continue to be a top tier operator and they really don't have any foreseeable new, uh, you know, real competition that's out there. There's there's some smaller ones, C Limited and Alibaba around the world, but Amazon continues to dominate uh, in North America. And I continually think that this is going to be a, a solid operator for years to come. There's about 32.5% of upside here for an average price target of 135.85. Uh, even on the low side, you're still making about 3.5% up to a high price target of 192, which represents about 87% of upside from here. So I still think that this is a good good buy. I think we're buying it at a decent price here. Uh, I know that we did drop down into what, the 80s? Uh, so it has come up off of those lows, but I still think that this one has a lot more room to run. Uh, we did hit a low price of uh, 81.43 back in January, but uh, I don't think that uh, this thing is done. I still think that we've got a lot of room left to go. So uh, number two for week 17 is going to be ticker AMZN. And uh, yeah, moving right on, we've got uh, one that I talked about earlier, and that name is going to be Mod G, M O D G for Callaway Golf. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think this one is going to kind of be a sleeper. There's a lot of different uh, talk on this one, uh, with a lot of different growth prospects that are way up there, and uh, people are kind of pricing it as a you know consumer brand in the name of Callaway. But uh, I don't really think it's being priced in for owning Top Golf as much as it could potentially be. And the amount of growth that they are seeing from these uh, locations has really been uh, pretty uh, pretty solid. So uh, we've got a uh, PE of about 25.7. We've got uh, earnings coming up in about uh, three weeks, roughly. We've got a lot of different earnings coming out this week as well. So I'll, I'll try to cover those here in a second. But um, about 52% of upside on Reuters. I think that uh, I think that E-Trade was a little bit higher. I'll have to check that one. I'll have to sign back out. We've got uh, annual revenue up 11% in 23, 21% in 24. Uh, we've got 30% of discount on price to sales. We're sitting at a one, which is uh, very cheap on 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 that metric. We've got forward PE, about 14% discount. Uh, we're sitting at a 28. The five-year average is a 33. Uh, so it is a little bit higher than the S&P, but I think we are in that growth mode. And uh, it's 
justified to be a little bit more expensive here. So um, let's take a look on E-Trade real quick while I've got this pulled up and sign back in, which is kind of a frustrating, but that's okay. Mod G on E-Trade on the analyst research side, where are we? Uh, we got about a 0.18% dividend as well. 73% of upside from the four analysts that have been covering Mod G as far as the ones that are on tip rank. So Reuters is a different mix, different sample size. But uh, even on the low end on these four analysts, the, the lowest one is 30, which represents about 34% of upside. The high price target is a 56, which is about 150% of upside. So this could definitely be a sleeper, one that uh, a lot of people are not paying attention to. Could uh, definitely see some monumental gains for this one going forward. And uh, I think it could be a good time to get in on uh, on Mod G, Callaway Golf. And uh, that does not mean that I'm going to be a golfer. Just simply that uh, I think this is a, a good experience, a good way for a lot of people get to get into the game and have a good, fun night out. You could take the family or simply, you know, just go out for with some friends for some, uh, you know, dinner, drinks, this, that, the other. I think it's a, a, a solid play for them. Uh, so now number four, this one was also on the uh, the screener for uh, on E-Trade on ideas of stocks that are actually undervalued at the moment. And it's not one that I've really been paying attention to so much. Uh, and that name is going to be CVS. So uh, CVS HealthCore. Um now we are sitting at 7485 but we're coming down from a high last year of 107 on April 20th. We're getting about a 3.2% dividend. PE sitting at a 23. Uh Trefis says we've got about 62% of uh upside here. Now on on E-Trade we got about 47%. So However you cut it, this one has a lot of upside left to go. Now, I think this one has definitely sold off on the fact that not everyone was going in for their COVID shots and boosters, and uh, a lot of that business has slowed. But again, I think that this one has sold off too much based on the fact that the amount of money they were actually making from the uh, the COVID shots and how their business is overall. So it's trading lower than it should be. Um, we've got uh, some definite upside from any which number of analysts that you look at. And uh, I think that this one is definitely going to be a sleeper uh, in the fact that no one really thinks that this one is uh, is a solid stock to buy, really. It doesn't really get any kind of coverage. I really don't hear many people talking about it. But uh, the low end is about a 16.5% upside. The high side is about 91% of upside from here. You're getting a dividend. You're getting safety on the fact that it's already sold off massively. Uh, the PE is, uh, let's see where it is on there. Their five-year average here. We've got uh, dividend growth of about 10%. The payout ratio is a little high at 73%. We've got uh, price to sales is actually a 22% discount. So it is at a 0.3. It normally trades at a 0.4. And it is a massive discount to the S&P at a 2.2. And on that forward PE basis, about a 16% discount. We're sitting at an eight and a half. So I think we've got safety on that forward PE. The fact that the price to sales is so low and uh, the fact that it is sold off so hard on some of these fears that I think are overblown, similar to the way that uh, you know Bank of America, JP Morgan have sold off 
Uh, completely different stories, but similar sell-off side there from these uh, two stocks, three stocks. Uh, so that is number four, CVS. Uh, I'm going to go with the 47% upside that's on E-Trade and also that 3.2% dividend. Now, number five, this one was actually in that oversold camp as well. So that is kind of the theme for this week is just being oversold. And that name is going to be a cybersecurity play that is going to be Zscaler, which is not something that I'm normally looking at right now as they are not uh, currently profitable. But um, I, I do think that this one is sold off far beyond where it needs to. And it could be a good time to uh, take a look at Zscaler. So they're going to be a cybersecurity company that looks at all sign-in attempts to any kind of device really as a hostile attempt. And they really try to look at all the uh, the IP address. They really try to get all that two-factor uh, authorization. They, they're doing everything to try to keep all your work computers safer. And then when you can, uh, sign, if some hacker was able to sign in, they can't access everything outside of that computer. You're simply allowed to you know see directly what's on that computer, but you can't connect to the network. So there is a lot of uh, demand for uh, cybersecurity. I still think that this is going to be one of those areas we're going to spend on regardless of what happens as uh, we need to keep our data safe. And that is definitely something that is critical to a lot of these companies that have had these data threats in the past. So the fact that it is sold off so much, uh, we are definitely seeing some oversold signals here. They have returned about 291% over five years, but they are down 51 or 55% in on the one year. So definitely uh, had traded down. We've got um, about 47% upside from 36 analysts. We've got uh, earnings per share tracking nicely higher. Forecasted growth for 23, about 43% on that annual revenue basis. And for 24, we have 84% of forecasted growth. And that's from 37 analysts. Uh, so still way in growth mode. We are at a 41% discount on that price to sales. It is remarkably high. It is not the same as CVS. It is at an 11.4 versus uh, CVS was at a 0.3, but uh, completely different companies. But 41% discount nonetheless, 38% discount on that forward PE basis. And you're getting a company that is growing 48% this year. Is that what it was? 48, 43% this year and 84% next year by the end of next year. Uh, so now I definitely think that uh, this one has been unjustly sold off. And uh, a lot of these cybersecurity companies should really do well going forward. So that is the five that I got for you guys this week. We've got Bank of America. We've got Amazon. We've got uh, Callaway Golf, Mod G. We've got CVS and we have Zscaler, which is ZS. So um, we've got a good mix here. We've got a bank. We've got a, uh, a retail web security company in Amazon. We've got uh, uh, that kind of consumer discretionary, I'll say, in Callaway Golf, CVS for healthcare, and Zscaler for cybersecurity. So a pretty solid mix of different things that we can pick from. And uh, please get over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. Get your votes in. Let me know what you think about these five. And if you've got some names that you're really considering, um, you know, feel free to throw them out there so we can kind of cover those or um, just let me know what you're buying out there. I'm definitely curious as to what you're seeing some value in and where you're putting your money to work. So 
Uh, with that being said, that's all I got the time for today. And I will catch up with you on Wednesday. So uh, take care and happy investing out there. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.